country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. Country. Future country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. You know, actually, I think the one that was probably hardest for me to write on this was um, a song called Hell of a Man. Ella Langley's music kicks like a smooth Alabama whiskey. Her tried and true country music storytelling mixed with her rock and roll sensibility really just goes down easy. She distills her honest songwriting with experiences and formative inspirations into an intoxicating brew of her own. Her new EP, Excuse the Mess, perfectly showcases her mature approach to real life stories and is capturing the attention of country fans everywhere. Country Confidential we also have something else in common, which I'm very excited about. You and I both love Cajun pasta. Bro. Can you please talk to me about your love of such delicacies? Well, it's like my favorite comfort food to make. Um, I there, So there's this thing called uh, Koneka sausage. Interesting. And, and it's an Alabama sausage. It's okay. like based in Alabama, but they sell it in like Tennessee. I, I can't find it anywhere up north. I've tried. Um, but it's like this Cajun Koneka I don't know. It's delicious. It's great yeah. sauce. Anyways, I put that in the pan, stir it around a little bit, put some cream in there, put some lots of Creole, you know, freaking love it. It just makes me happy. Like I just want some garlic bread and a big bowl of pasta and sausage. And it's like, you can't ruin my day right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like that's what I'm going to go eat. There's a law and order marathon on tonight. I, it's raining <laughs> outside. I'm just now because you said that I'm going to the grocery store and I'm making it for them. <laughs> Well, I am too. So there we go. So I looked up your hometown in Alabama and man, is it teeny tiny? Small. It's teeny tiny. So growing up in Alabama, did you feel like an outsider being the only one to want to do music or were there other people in town, you know, and kind of doing the same thing you were wanting to do? Um, no, I mean, so Montgomery really, honestly, I've my, the TM that I have now actually uh i met him in montgomery um which oh, wow. is my tour manager um he was he's he's worked with brent cobb he's done he's he's his name is davis nicks he's done a lot of things he's worn yeah. a lot of hats anyways no i mean whenever i really started to like start playing around i really felt like the you know i was young i don't know what was going on and there's a lot of people down there that have been doing it for a long time and kind of showed me the ropes and helped me get gigs and not really and then you know my hometown um I, it's just always something that I've done I'd bring my guitar to school on days and my teacher would let us take half the class off to let us mess around on the guitar you know like I mean we would just went to I graduated with 32 kids my dad graduated from the same school sometimes they drive their tractors to school and that is not an exaggeration like some days the cow pasture would get open and we all have to get out of class to get them back in you know like I'm not joking that is real life real life um I love it but it's just always like, you know, I don't know how to, it's just always been a part of who I am. I, as long as I can remember, I didn't ever, I guess, have expectations on what it was going to turn into or what it was going to do. But I just knew that whatever that looked like, I was going to do this, you know, um, exactly what I'm doing now. And the fact that it's even doing what it's already done, I'm so grateful and just like baffled by almost every single day. But, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work and, but I've met a lot of phenomenal people and it started with those people back in Montgomery that really just, you know, saw something in me. How, I don't know, but when I started playing those gigs, but they just did and believed in me and, 
you know, some other artists would let me open for them and just gave me shots after shots. And it was, I really felt accepted there. It's great. I still have a lot of people there that I love and respect and still doing it. I love it. So those early gigs, who were you playing covers of, or was it your own original music? Were there people that you were really digging when you were little? Um, so it was mainly just cover gigs. So whenever, um, I remember when I was, I was probably 16, I had a studio where I recorded some of my first, first stuff there. Um, but I remember when I first went in, we were doing something called a VPK, which okay. is like back in the old days, they used to send these out to bars and that's how you'd book gigs is they'd send out a video of you and your band or just you. And that's how you'd book shows. And that's not really, obviously we have social media now, but back in, back in the days, that's how it worked. So anyways, he videoed me doing the whole VPK and I was like, this sucks. I hate it. And I was like, I'm not ready for this yet. You know, I was so involved in everything in school, but I was just really practicing my craft on learning how to play the guitar, learning how to sing and play the guitar, you know, learning how to learn covers. And he right. said, uh, I need you to learn 50 covers and then I'll book you. I'll help you book a show. I was like, okay. So uh, when I was 18, I came back to him. I was like, here's 50 covers. I got him. Um, and he booked me this place called Coach's Corner. It's like this little sports bar in Wetumpka, Alabama. Um, me and, uh, the first, the first little thing I ever did, um, I found a band that first night. I mean, I had a band from the first thing I ever did and wow. me and those guys just played together. And then, uh, whenever I moved to Auburn, that's when I started to play like the college bar scene and really turn it into like a show, you know, start figuring it out, how, how to do that trial and error, like what covers sound good, what songs I like singing. And, and back then I was just singing anything anyone would want to sing back to me, you know, <laughs> like you're trying to put on a show and, and uh, those years, I would really say is what um, I wouldn't take those years back for anything. I think it taught me so much stuff about, you know, how to entertain a crowd, how to keep a crowd. And as much as I thought I knew then, I've learned a, a billion times more now. But it really like, you know, I wasn't afraid to get on stage in front of people. And I always used to say back then, I, I was like, if I can entertain people that don't give a shit about me, then I can't wait to do it when they do, you know? I love that. I love that. So um, a little birdie told me that your grandpa gave you a guitar when you were little. So um, is that entirely true or kinda, so behind that? Honestly, a little sad. So um, my, my, um, my dad's parents, I just, they pretty much helped raise me. I just lived at their house pretty much. And they, uh, I was like the first girl in forever in our family. And I could also sing. And my grandpa was just super musically inclined. Like all they had back then was instruments. So the oldest they have, he has five brothers, he had five brothers and sisters and the oldest one learned guitar and then taught the next one. And they all just kind of went down. They could all play piano and guitar. So, um, you know, just went from that to, to what it is, you know, just always being surrounded by that. And then um, after he passed away, I didn't learn, start learning guitar. He passed away when I was, 13 I think but he still had all his guitars around he lived with us for the last two years of his life and uh but I was always singing with him you know I was always learning how to sing with the piano singing um, they always come over all I mean every any day there could be someone at the house and then be picking the guitar singing and I was the one kid that sang so I was always singing something you know and uh, after he passed away I picked up his guitar I tried to tune it for the first time and I broke a string I remember and then my dad got it restrung for me 
and uh, learn how to play Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. That's what this tattoo is right here. Uh, that was the first time I learned how to play guitar. It's three chords. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just picked it up after that. He didn't give it to me, but I'm sure I'm, I know he would. I mean, he wanted me to have all the instruments he has, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's I learned how to play on his two guitars. I mean, the action on the thing, which is like how close the strings are to the neck, are uh -huh. supposed to be pretty dang close, you know. And it's like I could stick my finger through it, but like my fingers are like bleeding, learning how to play guitar. Just an old shitty guitar, you know, <laughs> nothing special. Couldn't plug it in, you know. But um, oh and finally, I was like, can I have something I can plug in and play? So my other grandparents helped me get. Uh, my mom's parents helped me get a guitar. They're just. Yeah, I mean, the whole family just, it's, it's, if you ask any of them the same question, it's like, this has never been a question for me, I guess, you know, I just, just kind of born with it. You just, or I was just born know. like, I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, I've always done it. It's just, I don't know. It's just who I am. It's not just something I do. It's who I am. So you went to Auburn. Was the goal to have an education to fall back on, or were no. you doing it because you didn't know what you wanted to do yet? What was the decision about going there? So I guess, you know, I didn't know how to go about anything. You know what I mean? And the only ways I knew about going any, about any was, you know, the little small chances I was getting and playing these shows. And I'd already been accepted in Auburn. And honestly, that was something I worked really, really hard to do. I feel like, you know, a lot of my life, I've been the underdog. I've always started out that way, and I've had to work my ass off to get anywhere I wanted to get to, you know, and um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so that was something uh, I remember my teachers, my ACT score was so terrible. I could not get it up, and she was like, you're not going to get in, and as soon as she told me I couldn't, I was like, screw you. <laughs> so I think it was almost more of a spite thing, you know. Okay. But also, you know, if I didn't move to Auburn, my career would not be anything like it is now because that's where I met one of my managers now. And this um, started working with a company called 65 South and um, they, have, they, they were putting me on some shows and helping me out. And like, you know, I'd call them for advice and really just put me under their wing. And um, I mean, nothing would be the same. I wouldn't have moved to Nashville probably when I did, you know, I was in a, I was in a relationship, you know, uh, 19 there and we all moved together. I moved with him and, his manager and Trey Lewis, we all yep. moved that, that force house is all four of us. So no, I mean, I think that was a God thing too. I think um, I was, I mean, I was failing out of classes towards the end because I was playing so many shows and I knew I didn't want to be there. And I was in there for forestry and I was in a sorority and it was like, you know, I, I, I tried the whole nine and, but I was just so infatuated because it just like, it seemed like the snowball just kept going, you know, like, it was like, whoa, like things kept happening without the expectation, just, they just kept going. So I think it got to a point where I was like, all right, I can stay here and keep playing covers for the rest of my life, or I can move to Nashville and figure out how to write a song, you know? I love so that. That's what I did. I love it. So I love that you moved with Trey. I didn't know that. That act actually kind of cracks me up. So what surprised you the most when you said that you moved to Nashville? What surprised me the most? Mm -hmm. I know like, a lot of people move to town and they're all like all doe eyed and they're like, I'm going to get a pub deal or I'm going to get on a big tour right away. You, what surprised you the most about being in town those first few weeks? Yeah. I just, uh, I don't, you know, I guess I just don't ever look at it. I don't ever look at it that way. I don't ever like ex expect things to happen. I'm just, you know, kind of like, what? Like, how did I trick all these people into thinking I can do this? You know what I mean? Like, um, 
I don't know. I think what surprised me the most about Nashville is, you know, there's a lot of scary things people tell you before you move here. It's a hard town. And that's the damn truth. It's a hard town. It's a hard job. And it takes a lot out of you. And you miss a lot of cool things in your life to do to be able to do the things you want to do, you know. And um, I think what surprised me the most uh, is how much family I found here. And mm. um, just the the support group I have in my writers and friends and you know, I was, you know, I'm a small town Alabama girl moving to Nashville, Tennessee, four and a half hours away. I'm really close to my family. You know, that was tough. My dad was so pissed at me for the longest time for quitting school and, you know, pursuing something that there's a huge chance that nothing ever came out of it, you know, but I knew that the whole time. I knew that I was moving here and not one thing could ever happen for me, but I couldn't have lived the rest of my life thinking, why, what, what if I would have done it, you know, and so I think, I mean, that, I mean, just the family that I have found here that is genuinely my home away from home. I love that. So you mentioned being super close with your family. I'm super close with my family and especially my dad. So I get it. But I know that you're also close with your mom. So you have that song, Hey Mom, I Made It. Walk me through that story and that writing process for that one. So I wrote this song, uh, I think before I even signed a publishing deal. I mean, this was probably my first year and a half in Nashville be four years in August but uh uh <clears throat> my mom she just she's been the one person in my life I will say that no matter what I want to do she is like let's figure it out she helped me I mean she was pretty much my manager for years helped me figure out how to put all the music out I wanted to put out um uh, just my first Facebook page all the posts you know she was just a huge help for me because she's just one of those people that can figure it out she just has like the best bs ability i've ever seen in my life you know and thank god i think i've taken a little bit of that from her but um she uh but the one thing is she always wants to know if i make it somewhere safe you know obviously as most mothers do but you know i was in i was torn around in my little honda like going to gigs breaking down on the side of the road like it's scary i'm an 18 19 year old girl you know and um but she just had so much belief in like, this is what you have to do. This is no matter what it is, we'll figure out what you have to do. And uh, so I had that title, Hey Mom, I Made It. And it was more just, uh, what's cool is now this song is turning into something else for me. But when I wrote it, it was really honestly about, Hey Mom, I made it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I made it there safely, you know, but now it's like, I got to do it for her at the Opry um, this past year. And I also got to sing it for the, um, Ryman, but, you know, standing in that circle, being able to sing that song is just one moment I'll never forget. I don't get emotional, but that's even talking about that does. It's just, it was a really cool moment. I love it. So I found this video of you on TikTok. You were, uh, in a writer's round, kind of talking about how you wrote the weirdest song you've ever written and L King ended up cutting it. So yonder, what the hell is that song all, all about? Uh, so I'll end up with it is more of my question. Well, I might have been uh, smoking a left-hand <laughs> cigarette the night yeah, before. Right. <laughs> and uh, out yonder is a phrase. I mean, where are you going? Out yonder is out yonder somewhere. You know what I mean? Like I've grown yeah. up that whole life and uh i just wrote the title down because i was like i mean i don't know what this is about and um bobby hamrick and matt mccanny yep. are the brothers i wrote the song with and bobby the way his brain works man like he's one of those people i love to bring titles i don't know exactly what to do with yet i just like the phrase or whatever and i was like i don't know what this means but uh i was like i had a title called out yonder and he kind of sat there for a second he was like what if it's keep your bullshit out yonder and i was like 
Hell yeah. So we kind of deep dove off into the small town of like, you know, how everyone's talking about somebody, you know, there's not a lot of entertainment in a small town other than who's pregnant, who's drinking wine at the football games. You know what I mean? Like that's the entertainment. And Lord, I know because my parents still live there and I'm like, it ain't that big of a deal, but it is when you live there, you know what I mean? So uh and I'm just like I'm not a very dramatic person I don't like drama I'm just like just not not about it never been about it don't like it hate it will shut it down anytime I get a chance but uh so this song was kind of you know that was the idea behind the song and it was for me we wrote it for me but you know a lot of times um you know with my publishing company uh they'll pitch songs that you know if I'm not holding it you know they'll be like well can we pitch this song and they text me one day they're like hey can we pitch this and you know, I didn't want to know what I want to do with it yet. And I was, you know, still writing and I was like, yeah, but it's got to be the right artist. Like I want that song unless it's the right artist. And uh, five minutes later, they texted me and said, El King put it on hold. And I was like, that was my first hold ever, you know, and I moved here to be an artist. And, you know, that was so validating for me as a songwriter. So I was like, hell yeah. And then, you know, when a song gets put on hold, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to cut it. That just means they're holding it for right now. So then we got the news two weeks later that she went in and cut it. And um, it was just cool to hear her describe the story about when she listened to it and stuff too. But it's just, it's so funny because if you meet Elle and you hang out with her or even listen to her talk on stage or anything, like that song was somehow written for her. I don't know how we did it that day, but we did. And she's like, this song was written for me, Um, which led to us, you know, going and she wanted to bring us out though. She loved it so much. She brought us out on a bus and we wrote five songs in a day and a half. And it was really not a whole day. It was like, we had half the morning cause she had to play that night. And then we had mm-hmm. half the next morning, you know, and we got five, actually one of them didn't make it on there. It was a, uh, it's called banjo slinging baby. And I was <laughs> like, Hey, five out of six, I'll take it. You know what I mean? I'll take it. So, I mean, she's just, the whole thing's been cool. It's been really, really cool for me to step back as a songwriter and kind of just let them do what they want to do with the songs. It's kind of refreshing to not, you know what I mean? To see, like, not have to go through all the things, but just be excited that the song's coming out. You know I mean? It's just, it's been a really, really cool experience. And she's done everything she can do with putting my name in any interview she's done. And she knows what she's doing when she's doing that. So I love it. Do you consider yourself a singer or a songwriter first? Both. Okay. I love it. Why both? Cause to me, that goes hand in hand, you know, that, that is the same thing when I'm, when I'm going into the room as an artist, I almost step back as a songwriter and look at myself as the artist, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I'm going in my songwriter mode where I, I'm in there to write the best song we can write that day. You know what I mean? And uh, in some days that song doesn't come out for me, you know, but you know, that lead, that's led to a couple other cuts and other things. And, you know, some days you were just put in that room to write a song for somebody else. So that doesn't, I'm both of those things at the same time. So I love it. I love it. And I love, so I love when I ask that question and people say both, because I really, I think it's great. I think things go hand in hand that way. So inquiring minds want to know how was living with Trey Lewis and would you recommend it to anybody else? Well, not for the faint hearted. Uh, (laughs) Right. I mean, I grew up with brothers. I've always been a guy's girl. Like my dad, big tomboy I mean if I didn't walk out of the house with a with a ball cap on he thought I was gonna die for some reason or you know so yeah, I'm yeah. so used to that but Trey is <laughs> he just he but 
you know, Trey does have his things about him, and I have my things about me, but I don't know. It just works. That's my family. He just – he came to my room the other day. He actually came to my room. I was, like, kind of sick in the bed laying in there, and he's putting out a new song, and he bought these, like, money dispensers, fake $100 bills, and I'm, like, sick laying in my bed trying to, like, go to sleep, and he busts open the door and shoots money all over my bed, you know. And, like, that's just a typical day. I don't know. But we both mess with each other. It ain't just him, but he is something else to live with, I'll tell you. I love it. Is there a possibility of a collab in the future for the two of you? I think so. I mean, we, I mean, but you know, me and Trey, the thing that we both talk about why our relationship is so important is because, you know, living in this town and doing what we do, it's very life consuming, you know, it's, oh yeah. Especially I think being an artist, you know, it's hard to separate yourself as a human being and then an artist because they really, it's, it's the same thing, but it's not, you know, and, and um, when it comes to me and him, it's, we don't always talk about music, you know, we really try not to, we tell each other about the exciting things, but it's really just, you know, we're, we're each other's, you know, backbone there. And it's so funny. All the people think that me and Trey are dating and I'm like, God, like they keep commenting that. And I'm like, okay, I went to his room the other day and I was like, we need to make a damn general PSA out here. All right. <laughs> that would be funny if y'all make like a fake music video teaser and it's really just like a PSA to everybody I think yeah. that would be a riot so I love that you are a power a part of this like not girl movement in Nashville but this woman movement in Nashville I remember when I was growing up it was a lot of powerhouse women and then I feel for a hot second that Nashville was really trying to push girls and I was not a fan of that um, because I didn't feel like I was at a point in my life where I could relate to girls. I wanted a group of women that I could relate to. And I love that you are a part of that charge. Is that something that you think about when you're writing? And is that something you thought about with the new EP as well, writing for women? Well, first of all, the fact that you think I'm part of that, that's thank you so much. That's badass to hear. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, all I'm trying to do is write something that I feel like I need to say, you yeah. know what I mean? And, 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 you know, male, female, whatever the hell it is, you know, and I, and, and that's something that I think Lainey does well, you know what I mean? And, 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 and all the women in the nineties, I feel like that was the time I listened to a lot of nineties women country and Leanne yeah. Womack and Jody yeah. Messina and Shania Twain. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, and uh, I think now it's getting to a point where it's like, all right, like we're not taking the shit anymore. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I think for a while it was like a little taboo for women to speak out about anything. I, I mean, in their music and what they're saying in interviews and, you know, that's just not me or my personality. And I think a lot of women now and Megan Patrick's a big one too. And, you know, like, we're going to say exactly what we're thinking and you can't, I mean, you can try to get rid of us, but we're going to keep coming back, you know? So um, I think it's really cool. And I think it's a really, really awesome time in music. And I'm so grateful that I'm here during this time. And, and I hope that I can be, you know, that for younger artists too, to someone to look up to. It's like, you know, the way I look up to Lainey, it's like, if she can do that. I can make it through the shit too. You know what I mean? So I, I, my goal is just to write stuff that means something to me and hope that, you know, it's, mean something to somebody else too I love it how did you find your sound you are such a badass and you just rock I mean I remember when we saw you perform in Chicago with uh Randy Hauser your your uh, Jason Aldean cover you just took a hat off somebody's head and you just went so when did you decide that maybe you were a little bit more left of center and were a little bit more rock and roll 
Uh, you know, I think I really figured out, I think that's what all those cover gigs helped with. You know what I mean? I tried out a lot of different songs and different sounds, but like, dude, you don't know how many times that I was like listening to Bon Jovi, like doing the dishes. <laughs> like I like, I love it. I'm about to tell you something so embarrassing. That's I've okay. never, ever, ever said this before. It's not really embarrassing. It's just so redneck that it might be. <laughs> like, I mean, we have a huge, we had cattle all behind our house. We had a big okay. barn that you could climb up to the top. You know, I remember just putting my headphones on and listening to like, my dad listened to a lot of classic rocks so and my mom. So like, I'll just have that on and just be putting on a show for all the cows in the pasture at the top of this barn, baby. Like, you know, that's just always what I've done. You know, I think- it's not, I don't, I think, uh, I think it's not even much of a sound as much as, um, what I wanted to say. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And your attitude is just, I think one of my favorite things about you and even talking with you now, I mean, you're the same person talking to you than as you are on stage. And I think that's one of the things that we love about you here, uh, and that your fans love about you, but I was lucky. I got to interview you and then you were back at the merch table meeting everybody. But I have a feeling you've probably met some weird people doing that at the merch table. Who's yeah. the weirdest person you've ever met and has wanted you to sign a hat or something? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the stories are endless, man. Like, like I love going to the merch table, you know. Yeah. Back when I was doing it with Randy, like I just go straight through the crowd I just played in front of and then mm -hmm. walk straight through, go back merch, and barely anyone would mess with me because they didn't know who I was. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. One time we had a guy, I mean, I can't even, it's like my, some of them I can't say. Yeah, get a that's fine. <laughs> I had one guy, uh, one guy, I almost beat his ass. I was really close, <laughs> this close. Um, He's lucky my guitar player wasn't standing there. Um, and he's lucky that I didn't have shoes on anyways. Um, but uh, we were sitting there as like, Dwayne, cause you know, and you saw it, you know, we kind of had it down back then. Like I was so poor. I was like barely making it on the road. Merch was like how we stayed out there. You know, it's yeah. still, it's yeah. gone. we need the merch money. And so me and my photographer, we'd get done, go out, sell as much merch as possible, right, wiping the sweat off my face from stage, right, running out there, you know, yeah. and, this one night it was like dwindling down and this guy he's like hammered walks up the merch table and usually we're like whatever you know what I mean he's like I want to buy eight shirts and we're like hell yeah buy eight shirts you know like buy you want nine you know what I mean yeah, I yeah. Ten. and uh he's like well can we get a picture and I was like yeah and I knew he was drunk but I was like he just bought eight shirts like whatever you know yeah. um uh and then he's like now watch this and like picks me up underneath me and picks me up and I looked at his ass and I was like put me down <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> don't make me get Alabama crazy out here now don't make me do it oh my gosh that's a riot so you know what I mean your songs have been so fun and you know what I mean they've been on the radio and they've been featured here and there what is the weirdest place you've been and have heard one of your songs play has that happened yet no it has not happened yet I I the the coolest by far is when I heard it on Sirius for the first yeah. time obviously my first time ever hearing myself in the radio and I'm like always just baffled like what you yeah. know like it's just exciting you know these are I think it's too like people and I think I, this is something I really like wish that fans would look at especially you know if you know if somebody does something or they mess up or whatever like this is the first time we're all doing any of this you know what I mean like we're just learning like this is the first time we're all doing any of this stuff so you know 
it's just as cool. You know what I mean? Like it, it might seem on a bigger scale because it, you know, that's kind of how it's portrayed, but really like, this is like what we've been working for our whole life. And it's the first time we're ever experienced anything. So I don't know. I can't wait. I just want to, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine myself walking in somewhere, eating dinner and hearing myself. And that's going to be really cool. Yeah. Like, walking into Bucky's and you're, you're over. That'd the be sick. Yeah. That would be, that would be awesome. So the new EP, excuse the mask, there's eight songs on it. When you were at Sony publishing, were you writing for an EP purposefully and wanted all these songs to fit together? Or were you like, Holy crap, these songs are perfect for an EP. Let's do it. Well, I mean, I kind of just write in general, like I just okay. write, 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 and then, you know, we just got to a point after I signed my deal, you know, it was like, all right, we're ready to put the music out. It's time. You know, I feel like I waited a minute. I really did. I waited a minute. A lot of people are like, you're just putting out your first project. And I'm like, yes, because I wanted to wait a minute. Um, So I think putting that all together, it's just, we, you know, we picked it, we, we me and my publisher and actually Trey came to the meeting. We listened through like, 50 something songs I think of my favorite ones and um we'd got it down to like 15 and those are songs that I kept coming back to all year songs that I love to listen to songs that um I love to play live you know and and I somehow they all fit together so well and I don't know how to explain that that you know yeah. what I mean like I could have remade a different EP with different songs like probably five times over you know but this these were the songs that I believe in you know the oldest song on there I wrote uh first couple months I lived here uh, with Jordan Fletcher it's called where you left it it's one of the acoustic songs at the end yeah. um so these are songs that I just feel like tell my story and you know really showcase like you know this is what I am as an artist and, and not just an artist but a human being I love it so which one was the hardest to get out which one took the longest to write they're all I don't know I don't know which one took the longest to write I think I don't know if anyone to you know actually I think the one that was probably hardest for me to write on this was um a song called hell of a man okay um that was uh that was so I, the, the relationship that I was in I was in it I was 19 to almost 23 I was in it three and a half yeah, years. yeah that's a long time it's a lot of growing up years and a lot of time I lived with them for two years you know and um sometimes it's not always just what it meant to be you know and so that song um it was my first write with two of the co-writers in there and then my a couple I had, Caroline Watkins is another writer Josh Dora Caroline Watkins and a guy named Lalo I wrote it with anyway so I walked in there and I'm it was just weighing heavy on my heart that week you know just ended this thing that you know it's tough you know you spend so much time with somebody to just be by yourself and then you know it's scary um and uh, so that song was probably one of the harder ones for me to write, but um, that I think to me is what is cool about songwriting. You know, it's just, it is for me is so much my therapy and how I process my emotions. And I always just say, I write about a situation until I don't have anything else to talk about, you know, about it. You know, I kind of write it out of my system in a way, you know, like where there might be multiple songs about one guy, or maybe there's just one. I guess it depends on how much he pissed me off. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. But you mentioned you wanted to wait a little bit. You mentioned that people are like, why are you just now doing this? And you're like, well, I wanted to wait. What was the reasoning for wanting to wait? Um, you know, I just feel like sometimes for me, for me personally, speaking for me, that 
I wanted it to be exactly what I wanted it to be. You know what I mean? I wanted the songs. I, I didn't want to have to doubt any of the songs or any of the things. And I wanted to do it in a time where I know that I have the songs to back it up. You know what I mean? Like this is just the beginning. I have so many more that are already written and that I'm going to write, you know, and, and I wanted to be in a place where I was ready for that, you know, and, and because, you know, they always say strike when the iron's hot. And, you know, once we put this out, the iron's going to be hot and I want to keep striking on it, you know, and, uh, and I'm prepared for that and I'm ready for that. And, you know, I really wanted something that if this EP does absolutely nothing, it's something that I will forever be proud of. You know what I mean? And I'm proud of these songs and I'm proud of the co-writers and the producers and the players on it. So I wanted to wait a minute until I kind of got all that put together and, you know, have the team behind me that I do now, I'm so grateful for. And I just wanted that all in place before I was ready to go. I wanted to be ready first. I love it. I love it. Well, we're glad you're ready because I'm super excited about it. So I'm pretty sure I asked you this question when we ended our interview. God, it was a year ago. So how do you define country music? I think it's storytelling. Yeah. I think that might've been my answer back then too, but I really do. I think, I think that's what sets country music apart. I mean, uh, Ed Sheeran just, uh, I think they just posted about him doing something in the country and he was talking yeah. about how it's just the, it's the stories. And that, that's why I fell in love with country music. That's what I grew up on is the stories and the ability to emote those lyrics into something. And I really think country music is one of the best at that, if not the best. And so that's how I describe it. Storytelling. I love it. Well, it was wonderful chatting with you again. Thank you for doing this big, long interview. Um, we are super excited to see you at CMA Fest and congrats on the new EP. Thank you so much. Awesome. Enjoy your weekend. Go get some rest. Awesome. Bye. Bye, guys. My name is Bobby Dixon and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you loved this episode, please rate and review wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends Restless Road for recording our incredible theme music for this podcast.